Okay, Bezrat Hashem, this week's share we'll be talking about uh, things that are prohibited within a kosher animal. Uh, specifically, we're talking about the prohibition of blood, uh, starting on the page of 219. So just as an introduction, there are quite a few things that might be prohibited, <laughs> even though we're dealing with a, a, a kosher animal. The one is chelev, right, that a certain fats of an animal are going to be prohibited. And that is specific to a behemoth. Basically what we would call domestic animals such as sheep and cattle and things like that. Whereas when it comes to a deer, for example, the chelev of, <coughs> of a chaya would be uh, permitted. It could be that that's connected to the din of korbanot, as some of fashion point out, that basically only behemoth were brought in the Beit HaMikdash as a korban and the chelev was put on the on the uh, altar, right? Was burnt on the altar, as opposed to a chaya, with that chaylev was never going to be brought on the altar, and perhaps that might be the reason why it's permitted to eat. That is one uh, prohibition that still applies today, and can, we can get rid of it through a process called nikur. Basically, you remove the chaylev from certain parts of the animal, and then those uh, cuts are permitted. It's largely not done so much today, just because of Expense, um, you know, it's just easier not to uh, not to do it and to send it off to the trade line as opposed to um, as opposed to take the time to try and do it. And this needs a lot of expertise. But make uh, a one can definitely do it, and people do it definitely in Israel. They still do it in certain places. Um, the next uh, prohibition is a prohibition of blood. Damn. And this we see on page 219 already many times, actually six times, the Torah discusses the prohibition of, uh, of consuming blood. It says in Vayikra, Gimel Yudzayin, Chukat Olam Lodorotechem Bechol Moshvotechem, Kol Chelev Vechol Dam Lotochelu. There's a prohibition from the Torah of all fat and blood you shall not eat. So here it's talking about a negative prohibition of eating uh, blood. But we'll see, uh, look in Vayikra, Zayin, Perek Zayin, Pasuk Chaf Zayin, Kol Nefesh Asher Tochal Dam, Venichretah Nefesh Hashi Meamea. Anyone who eats blood will uh, receive karet. So it's not just a normal negative prohibition, it's actually a prohibition that involves with it the prohibition of karet. What is the distinction? And we'll see some of the psukim are talking about an isur karet, some of them are talking about an isur lav, a normal uh, transgression. And we'll see the two different types of blood. There are actually three different types of blood. There's one which is an isur karet, one which is an isur lav, a a negative transgression, and then there is blood that is permitted. So we'll have to to see that. Um, Let's see it inside the Ramban. The Ramban tells us in Vayikra. So first he's going to explain to us the reason for the Isur. And within the reason for the Isur, we'll also get an inkling into the distinction between, uh, between the different prohibitions. Hashem created all of the creatures in the world for the purpose of man's usage. Right? <coughs> he alone will uh, recognize as HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I, one of the distinctions between mankind and all the other animals is that we recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu. <laughs> Nevertheless, at the beginning of time, it was not permitted for us to eat animals. <laughs> we were basically vegetarians. We, had to, we were only permitted to eat vegetables, etc., <laughs> but not Baleanevish, not animals. Kasher Baba Parsha Prechich Nemar, explicit in the beginning of Brechit that basically we can only eat vegetation. Once the animals were saved because of the merit of Noach, and he brought them as a korban, that's when HaKadosh Baruch Hu permitted us shchita and being able to eat these animals. After the mabul, 
That's when all of a sudden we are now permitted to eat uh, meat. Basically, animals exist today because of human beings. Although Akash Baruch Hu permitted them to be eaten, for their pleasure and for their needs, and the nefesh, the soul of the animal, that's referring to the blood of the animal, is acting as kapara, as atonement. Why? Because that was thrown on the altar, right? The zrikat adam was the critical part of the, of the sacrifice that actually brings the atonement. We still were not permitted to eat the blood. What were we only permitted to do? We were only permitted to throw the blood. So he says like this. We, as one creature, are not allowed to eat the spirit, if you were, of another creature. Because they all belong to HaKadosh Baruch Basically, we have to remind ourselves that we are not, we also belong to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the animals belong to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we have no right to kind of take their nefesh. So we can have their bodies, but their nefesh, says the Ramban, that's out of limits. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't give us a heter to do. The only thing he gave us a heter to do is to bring it as a korban. Okay. That's very interesting take of Ramban. That it's, 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 uh, now, what is the Ramban referring to? You could look at it on a Kabbalistic level. You could look at it on, 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 a, on a mere another level that, you know, we still have to be cognizant of the fact that we don't own everything and Kilo it all belongs to our Kodesh Baruch Hu, and therefore he doesn't let us take something of the animal which happens to be their nefesh, whatever that means. Okay. The Orachayim gives a different answer. If a person were to eat blood from an animal where the, the soul leaves it, which that is the prohibition of karet. Okay, so, so the Orachayim has already revealed to us, it was revealed earlier in the Gemara, etc., but we skipped all those sources, so I'll say it outside. We saw different psukim. Some psukim said that the prohibition of blood is only an isur. Love, a negative commandment, and the Sam say it's an Isur of Karet. So which one is it? So we'll see that there's a distinction between Dam HaNefesh, the blood, the life blood, where the, the soul leaves the animal. That's generally when you shecht an animal, the, the spurting of the blood, the original spurting, that is called Dam HaNefesh. And then if a person were to eat it, it would be an Isur Karet. Then there's what's called Dam Evarim which is basically blood trapped in the limbs, that when it, takes, it goes out of the limbs and you eat that blood, that would also be a prohibition, but that's only a negative commandment. Now, the exact definition of Dam HaNefesh gets a bit complicated, and as we'll see, it might be a machloket, okay? But those are the two categories in general. Yes? Dam HaNefesh was used for Zerika. Correct. Right, right, right. So now, says the Gemara... Uh, says Orachayim. So the dam hanefesh midam be mashah nefesh yotzev v'shalav bo onosh onesh karet, which a person gets karet for, kone nefesh abeima mikoma benefesh adam. Right. So if a person were to eat that, what would actually happen? He would imbibe within him the nefesh habehemit, the animal characteristics of the of the animal. And basically the Torah is telling us, Basically, says Orachaim, you are what you eat. <coughs> Pretty much, that's saying, if you're going to eat this nefesh, uh, it's going to be disgusting to the, the neshama elyona that a person has, and it's, it's a contradiction. Basically, it's going to bring you down or imbibe within you a very animalistic uh, characteristic, which is not befitting of, of, of who we are. And that's what it says, I will take my attention from a person who eats blood, 
and I will give him karet from, from us. Because the Arachayim seems to even imply that it's, it's, it's almost, it's an automatic, um, almost a result. A person who eats it, correct, it's, it's a result that basically you, you, you're turning yourself into an animal. So, so obviously the, there's a disconnect between Takosh Baruch Hu and the Neshama and Yonah, etc. Okay. So those are two different explanations of what the problem is. According to the Ramban, it could be basically for us to remind ourselves that we are not in charge of the world, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't give us a free fall, you can do what you want with the animals, either on a spiritual level there's a problem over here, or on a, just a humility, we have to work on our midot. According to the Rachaim, it's going to imbibe within us, imbue within us some type of animal characteristics that are not appropriate. Now, as we said, there is a Torah violation of eating blood, but that applies only, only to animals and birds, and there's no distinction here between a behemoth and a, uh, and a chaya. If we said when it came to the fat, there was a distinction, when it comes to blood, there's no distinction. It applies both to all animals, call them mammals, plus the birds. What does it not apply to? Birds and fish, right? Chomer bedam. There's a chumra when it comes to blood. Shadam noheg It applies both. This is a Mishnah in Cholin, right? Source number nine. Mishnah in Cholin tells me that it applies both regarding a, a domestic animal or a chaya, a wild animal, what we call like a deer, as well as the birds. Okay. Whether they're kosher, whether they're not kosher, it makes no difference. We have to kasher them. The Ramban, Rambam says in Hilchot Ma'achalot Asurot, Enan chayavin karet. Now here he defines for us what is the distinction between an isu karet and just a regular Torah violation. Enan chayavin karet ela aldame yotzei bishat shechita unachira. The time when you shech the animal, or the time when you do nechira. Nechira is basically a shechita gone wrong. Right? Basically, if you were to kill the animal uh, using, uh, let's say, you used a saw to cut off its uh, neck, uh, to cut its neck as opposed to using a shechita knife, so that wouldn't be considered shechita. That would be called nechira. Right? Nevertheless, the blood shooting out at that point Right, would be what, uh, what we are talking about, the Isu Karet. Or if you chop the animal's head off, as long as there is blood coming out of it, that would be a problem. Now this is where it gets to be a bit of a machloket rishonim, because it sounds like according to the Rambam, even if it's just trickling out later on, it would still be a problem in that case. That could be a machloket rishonim. Also, blood within the actual heart. And also, the, when you bloodlet, as long as basically it is spurting out, apparently when you bloodlet, it first starts trickling, and then it starts shooting, and then it starts trickling again. So here, uh, the Rambam is talking about when it, when it spurts out. But when it starts trickling in the beginning and when it trickles at the end, and then it's just got the regular prohibition of Dam Evarim. Now, Dam Evarim is still, literally it means the, the blood of the limbs. It's still a Torah violation. The only distinction is that it's a, it's a violation that is not, does not entail with it an Isur Karet. Okay. When we talk about Hakazah, we're talking about when you're exsanguinating the animal, not just that you're removing some of the blood and leaving the animal alive. Okay. Would make no difference. Makes no difference, you think? Even what, though the animal's going to stay alive? If the animal stays alive, because it's still... Dama Nefesh mean. I thought it means that the animal is going to be dying and this is the blood that's coming out that's related mm. to the animal's death. Because Nechira, as you explained, would be, mm. would be, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. Okay, good, good Charlie. I, is this, would there be an Isakarate if the animal still 
remains alive and was just like bloodletting? I would think yes, but I'm not sure. Mm. Um, oh, I'm not sure about that. Because they like, I think there was an African tribe that yeah. they, they, they have a routine that they take blood from their uh, animals, they leave them alive, and, and they just they eat the blood uh, right. on right. a repeated basis right. without killing the animal. Okay, so whether that would be an Isur uh, Karet or just yeah. an Isur love for a Yid, that's... Uh, okay, good shayla. Says, says the Sefer HaKashrut, he, he basically tells us, what's Halach Lamaise? Because Lamaise today, when we buy meat, I mean, as opposed to 100 years ago, most of us don't have a, uh, chickens in our backyard and don't have little sheep running around in our backyard that, you know, Erev uh, Chag, we're going we're gonna to shech. We buy it from the shops. So what does it mean that we have to, uh, what does it mean regarding the blood? Now, just before we do that, there's a, once you've shechted the animal, there still is a Torah violation of dam Ebarim. Okay, you've got a piece of blood, you've got a piece of meat in front of you. So clearly the blood that's coming out of it is not dam Hanefesh, right? That's long gone. So, but what's going to happen? You're going to take a piece of steak. And you're going to cook it in a, in a pot, right? Fry it in a pot. Blood is going to come out. That's called dam shepiresh. Blood that has been removed from the, from, the, from the limb. And that is a Torah violation to eat. So how do you get around? Um, so I, I mentioned that there was a third category. And what is that third category? If you were to eat raw meat, when does blood become prohibited? When it leaves the animal, ah, it leaves a steak. So if you were to take a steak and cook it, what's the problem? The problem is as you cook it, the blood uh, leaves, the, uh, leaves the steak, it then gets reabsorbed, everything gets chafed up, and that's the problem, right? However, if you were not to cook it, but you would just eat raw, raw meat, lichora, there's no isur of dam shepirash there, right? And therefore, it would be okay. Now, halach we, uh, we we don't generally eat uh, eat raw meat. But if, in theory, if a person were to eat raw meat, there's no isur of the blood there. Now, so, so how do you get around the problem of the steak? If we want to eat a steak, what do we have to do? So Chazal tell, tell us that basically you have to remove the blood. How do you remove the blood? There are two ways in general. One is putting it over the fire and basically letting the blood drip out. And the other is basically salting it. Okay? There is a third way, which is basically chalitza. We don't really, uh, we, don't, we don't, first of all, it's not agreed upon that, that it uh, can be done uh, in all cases. And second of all, uh, even if you do mention, even for those who, who say it could be done, we are definitely not experts of how to do chalita. Chalita is like throwing it in boiling water and somehow it, uh, it kind of seals the blood in so it can't, can't escape. We don't, we don't practice that. What do we usually do? We do melecha. If we have time at the end of today's shir, we'll also focus on liver, where there we'll see melecha doesn't apply because we skipped uh, liver in our previous uh, um, shirim. So please God, we'll go back to liver and also deal with it in today's shir. So, says Seifer Akashrut. Source number 11. Hakonim basar beima chayav of shchutim, person if buys kosher meat, chova lehem levare im nasta hachsharakadin lebasar. You have to check that it has been kashered correctly. What does it mean kashered? Melicha. Vim lav, but if not, yesh levade kamaz manavar mina shchita, then you have to check how much time has passed since you have shechted. Shema kvar lotoil hachsharas, because perhaps kashering it now will not help. What is the Sefer Hakashrut referring to? We have a takana from the Gaoni that although we said you can do melicha, melicha only helps within a certain time when the animal has been shechted. If the animal has been shechted and 72 hours have passed and now you're starting melicha, it's too late. The, blood, the salt will not be able to draw out the meat. And because it won't be able to draw out the meat, then when you cook it, the meat will come out, the blood will come out. Sorry, what did I say? The blood will not be able to draw out the 
the salt will not be able to draw out the blood. And therefore, when you cook it, that's when the blood will come out, and that's why it will be trafe. So, what's he saying over here? If you don't know, if you find out that it hasn't been kashered, you have to say, well, when was it shechted? And make sure that 30, 30, 72 hours haven't passed, so you can still do melicha. Right? Now, if you find mahadrin meat, you can assume basically that everything has already been cashed, and I don't think there's anything um, today that you can buy in the um, in the uh, supermarkets, whatever, that actually hasn't been cashed, save for perhaps liver. We'll get back to liver in a moment, but other than liver, everything has been cashed. Everything has been cashed. Does this though? raise the question about meat coming from South America? Yes. Mm-hmm. So it does raise the meat coming from South America. What, what, what is the question about meat coming from South America? So as we said, you have to cash <laughs> um, the meat, do the process of salting within 72 hours. What happens if you were to freeze the meat? Now you shecht an animal, then you freeze it, you ship it to Israel, it arrives here six weeks later, but it's still frozen. Can you now do the melicha process? Now, what, what, what's the benefit of doing melicha here as opposed to doing melicha there? It's purely economics, right? If you want to do the melicha process there, it means you've got to double your manpower, right? And, and, and you know, send over, shochtim over there to, to deal with it. It's a lot easier to do it in Israel, um, just, just cheaper. However, here we get into a suffix. What does this mean? The fact that it's frozen, does it stop the clock or not? So Rav Ovadia writes a tshuva where he paskins that uh, he holds its mutar. Uh, it's, he's lenient. He says it stops the clock. And the poski. Omor machmir. They say it doesn't stop the clock. We don't have uh, such a messiah that you can do such a thing. And this was a big machloket. Um, generally, if you go mahadrin, you can assume that they don't rely on the kula of, she- of salting it you know, six weeks later, once it's, been, um, once it's been frozen. From what I do understand, I think the majority of meat now is, in, is salted in South America anyway. Obviously, whatever, they've just got the, the system up and running in a better way, so it is salted. But again, that, that is definitely one of the svekot when it comes to, when it comes to mahadrin meat versus non-mahadrin meat. This is one of the issues that maybe uh, is a discussion. You can actually sometimes see uh, on the label, it says that it was salted within 72 hours, right? Um, okay. Says, uh, says the Sefer HaKashrut. Um, well, let's just jump to the Shulchan Aruch. What about, we said that the prohibition of blood only applies to animals and to birds. It does not apply to fish, and for that matter, it doesn't apply to human beings as well which is also uh, important for certain cases. So let's see. Says the Shulchan Dam Dagim, blood of fish, although it is permitted, if you gather it in a vessel, you've got a glass full of fish blood, here the prohibition is maritime, right? People are going to see me drinking a glass of blood and they're going to not realize that this is fish blood. They're going to think that I'm, I'm, I'm drinking, you know, goat's blood. And that's an, uh, we have to be careful of that. Lefichach says the Shulchan Aruch, therefore, if it is clear that it is from fish, for example, like the scales in, the, in your fish juice, in such a case, that would be permitted. Or you're in a milchik restaurant. Even if you're in a milchik restaurant, yeah. Why would you have a meat glass of meat blood? Well, why would anyone have a glass of blood? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, even in a meat no, restaurant. Even in a meat restaurant. I want you to. There has to be a certain sign that it. Or otherwise, it is known. That it is fish blood. I'll give you an example. This, the, 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 we have a similar idea when it comes to milk, right? Almond milk, or for that matter, uh, milk of a um, milk from a, a woman, 
right, is, is, is parav, right? But let, let, let's go with almond milk. It's just easier. Almond milk is parav. So can I have a glass of almond milk with at my meat meal? So, so again, the Shulchan Aruch Pasim is because of maritime. You have to have some type of siman. I think it's the Ramah. So you have a, a siman. You have the almonds uh, sitting next to it. So then it came a shayla of ice cream. You get part of ice cream, right? So, so what do you do? So in the beginning, they, 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 they felt, the poskim felt, I'm talking about you know, a few decades ago, when you, you know, part of ice cream was a novelty, they felt that you had to bring it in the container. So that everyone could see that, you know, this is the container where it says big in letters, parav, etc. Today, because it's so standard that there's parav ice cream and there's milchik ice cream, you don't need to bring it in the parav container for people to assume that it's parav. They'll assume if this is a meat restaurant, the ice cream that's being served is parav. So again, it depends on the frequency of something, of which something is being done. Since I'm not sure how frequent it is to have fish blood, so because of that, you would still have to have the kaskasim. If it became a widely <laughs> drunken uh, drink, then enachinami, you probably wouldn't have to uh, worry about it. Okay, uh, let's, let's continue with the din of human blood. Human blood says the, um, says the Gemara in Kritut Chafalef, it says as follows, Dama leiv, dama klayot, varim, elu belotase. Blood of the heart and blood of the kidneys and all the limbs, that is a negative transgression. Dam blood of those who walk on two, I, that's another way of saying uh, a human beings, or dam shratzim asur It's a prohibition, but there's no Torah violation, i.e., it's a negative uh, prohibition. Are you saying that there's just no prohibition of karet? No. If you have blood, let's say a person had a cut in his mouth and then he bites into his sandwich and now there's blood on the, um, on the bread. So you just have to remove the, that piece of bread that has the blood on it. Uh, it's not a problem. However, let's say you've got blood in your mouth, between your teeth, you can basically swallow it. Let's say you've just gone through dental surgery. You've got cuts in your mouth. There's blood there. You can swallow it, no problem. How can you swallow it, no problem? Because it's only an isur de Rabbanan. And the isur de Rabbanan over here is rooted in the problem of maritime. Right? So... Um, so because of that, there's no problem when there's no maritime. Let's see the Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch in so, uh, Yeradea, Siman Samech Vav, that's where all these halachot of blood are. Dam Adam, blood of a human being. Impiresh Mimenu, if it separated itself from him. Asur Mishu Maritai, that means I have a cut, and now I've got the, the, the blood has, has come out of the wound and now it's on, on, on my skin, I cannot basically uh, lick that blood. Well, I'm, I'm saying that with a slight, um, what's the word? Caveat. Uh, caveat, but in principle, if it's separated, there's a problem of maritime, okay? Because I don't know where the blood came from. However, in nashacha kikar beshinav, now there's blood. I took a bite into my sandwich. There's blood on the bread. You know, no one knows where the blood came from. So you can't eat that blood. Maritime. But if it's between one's, um, uh, between one's teeth, it would be permitted. Now the shayla is like this. Only if, if the blood is, is, is not in my mouth but I, I've got a cut on my finger. Can I suck the blood from my finger? So here's also clear. Because there's no marit iron. Because if it's clear that it's on your finger. Oh, so it's, right. So we'll see uh, the Benish Chai. Let, 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 let's, let's see Tosfot and the Benish Chai. But you see there's, there's somewhere in, the, in between. Where it is in my mouth, Lichora, it's clear that it's, you know, it hasn't separated. It's not coming. There's uh, uh, no Where it's in a cup. Vadai is maritime. Where it's on my body. Let's see. Says the Shulchan Aruch. V'chol dam dagim v'dam adam. 
Hoyel umidina shari, no, sorry, I skipped skip the Kovach Yorim, Rav Elchanan Vassiman. Rav Elchanan Vassiman wants to know the following Shaila. Why is it that because there's blood in my, um, in my mouth, there's no problem of, of, of swallowing that blood? Vekashe, says Rav Elchanan Vassiman, the coma comes from Ibn Maritain. Anytime it's a problem of Maritain, I feel Bechadre Chadari Masur. Even in your private domain, you know, within a locked room, it would still be prohibited. So why over here is the blood in my mouth where he's comparing it to Chadre Chadarim? What's the, why is it muta? And he explains as follows. V'tzarich lomar, t'davke b'chadre chadarim, aftach shavein shamish, let's say I'm in my private, my bedroom. Nachon, no one's in the bedroom with me. But what would happen if someone were to barge in or someone is taking a picture of me through the window? In such a case, then I have to worry about that. I have to worry about even though someone's not here, what would happen if someone were to come into the room unexpectedly? Then it would be a problem of maritime. And that's why Chazal say, Afilo b'chadre chadarim. Aval hu makom anashim since it's not possible that people could be in my mouth, then it's not a problem. Um, or another way of, of saying it is like this. Even if someone were to enter the room, where would the maritime be? Right? Where could the maritime be? Maybe if the blood is, is not in my mouth and they see me licking blood, so that, that could be a question. And that's what Tosvot deals with. Tosvot in Kritot says as follows. When we said blood of a human being is prohibited, and again it's prohibited because of maritime, that is only where I do not know where its source is coming from. If my blood, if my finger is bloody, it's dripping blood. Everyone can see that where's the blood coming from? It's coming from my finger. According to Tosvot, it is no problem for me to put my, 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 my finger in my mouth and suck the blood. Because everyone realizes it's coming from my finger. So no one's going to start having wild imaginations that I'm drinking uh, you know, a, a cow's blood, a goat's blood. It's not, not happening. However, says the Ben Yishchai, we have to distinguish. If the wound is still dripping blood, that's when you can basically put your finger in your mouth and suck it. However, because we saw clearly that the source of the blood was a cut on my finger. What happens if the blood has dried up? It's no, no longer dripping. Now I've just got a, a, a bloody finger. But you can't see that the wound is actually exuding blood. So now why am I got a bloody finger? Maybe I've just been in the abattoir and it's the blood of a, of a, of a cow. In that case, So in that case, it would be prohibited. So we, do, so we say like this. Blood on one's body is permitted... With the caveat that it's clear. And the Ben Chai says, how do you define if it's clear? The wound has to still be bleeding. If the wound's not bleeding anymore, then it's not clear where that blood came from and that would be a problem. So this is the, or the Tosos definitely, is the head that for Mitzitzah Bepet. Right? No, the Gemara, the Gemara is... Right, but, but still, it's, it's that. You're not meant to swallow it. You, I don't know, no, but everyone, you, first you, of all... Can you, can you be sure that someone spits all of it out? But even if you, you swallowed it, what is so? We saw that it was mutter. No, no, but, but potentially it's marasarga, based on the toastos. Yeah, the, okay. Right? A, okay. It's, it's obvious that... Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's very obvious where it's coming from. Nachal, <laughs> nachal. It's very obvious where it's coming from. Okay. Um, assuming that uh, the metzitza is... Okay, we, we had this here on metzitza, so we won't go back to it. Okay. Says now, very common, where do we find blood other than 
then in meat uh, and liver that please God will get to, we also have the famous question of blood found in eggs. So uh, let's just read it very briefly. The Gemara in Chulin Samach Dalet Amud Bet. Tana Rabbonin the Brighter tells us, Gi'ule Beitzim, right, that basically uh, you've got um, kosher eggs that were, that were boiled together with non-kosher eggs. So what am I concerned about? I'm concerned that maybe the non-kosher eggs, the, you know, the flavor got in or the blood transferred. No, it's muta. Beitzim muzarot, right? Basically, an unfertilized egg. <clears throat> What's the din bahem? Nefesh yafet ochlam. Right? Then it's no problem to eat them. Apparently, you have to be... Uh, whatever. Yeah. The point is, is that... Uh, I don't know why a person had to have a strong will to be able to eat them. Maybe they weren't so tasty. I don't know what it was. But the Gemara over here is distinguishing between a fertilized egg and a non-fertilized egg. A non-fertilized egg, what, what is the problem with a fertilized egg? What could be the problem? Basically, the blood in the fertilized egg could come from, from uh, could really be the beginning of, a, of the embryo, right? In which case, you are eating basically an avela, and that would be a problem. And therefore, that is why, lichora, you, it could be an isudoraita, right? Whereas, uh, if it is uh, coming from a non-fertilized egg, the possibility of it ever being an avela is, 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 is nothing. So what is it coming from? It's basically coming from some type of rupture of the, of the, of the mother's um, uh, whatever, I don't know, of, of, of something. But it's not the beginning of an embryo. So we'll see the Zechle Machloket Rishonim. Is it, let's take the fertilized egg. Let's say I eat that blood. Is that an Isur Doraita or is that an Isur Derabanan? Let's just look from... Uh, from Toswot, because he spells it out uh, um, Toswot there, source number 23 on page 228. Piresh So he explains the, the Gemara basically said that when is it a problem if you find it on the, on the outer, outskirts of the egg, then it's not a problem. If you find it on the Kesher, now the Kesher, it's a big machrocketry shonim. Some say it is the, the point of where the yoke meets, meets the, the abluen, ablumen, right, which is like the white part of it. Some say it's, uh, some say it's, part, uh, they're, they're different machlokot, as we'll see, the Ramah actually doesn't want to get into the machlokot. But whatever it is, if it's found over there, Pirish HaKuntras, the Chihai Gavna, Ochel Asha'ar, right, basically, I throw away the blood, and I can eat the rest of the egg. Now we're talking about a fertilized egg. Now why is that? Because according to Rashi, it's not, the whole thing isn't considered uh, an isodoraita, and I just have to get rid of the actual blood. But the rest of the egg is still kosher. That's very difficult, uh, says uh, Tosvot. And therefore he says like this, let's skip to the next paragraph. The midrabonen hichmiru bedam beitzim so basically it says like this, Tosfot agrees with Rashi, that really the Isra is only Midr Abanan, right? And it's all Xera because if you start eating the blood, then you're going to eat the other blood, etc. But because it's Xera the Rabbanan, they didn't make you throw out the entire, entire um, egg, because Meikaradin, the blood itself is kosher. Look at the Tur, the Tur argues, the Tur quotes his father, the Rosh, Vedam Beitzim, if I know that it's not coming from the beginning of an embryo, then it's only an isodorabanan. We said that depending on where you find the blood spot, it could be an isodoraita, or it could, be an isodor, it could be the beginning of an embryo, or it could be the not. According to the Rosh, it depends. If it's not, if it's the beginning of an embryo, that's going to be an isodoraita. If it's not the beginning of an embryo, it's only an Isu Rabbanan. But if we assume, if we know that this is the beginning of the chick being formed, then it's an Isu 
So we have a machloket between Rashi and Tosfos. That on the one hand basically say, whatever comes out of that egg, that blood, is an Isu Because it's not yet considered a, 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 a chick. According to Rosh and the Tor, no. If you know that this is part of the, this blood was in a place in the egg that was actually the beginning of the embryo, that's an Isu and therefore you'd have to throw out the entire egg. How does the Shulchan Aruch Paskin? Dam Beitzim. Blood of an egg. Im yadu If you know it comes from the beginning of an embryo, chayavim alav. You're liable. Ay, it's a Torah violation. Aval imen no yodea shumirokim ayifroach, en chayavim alav. But if not, then you're not liable. Aval chachamim asru. That is all if it is chachamim prohibited it. And this again, we're talking about fertilized eggs, Nachon. So, so if you have a fertilized egg, and now you find a blood spot on it. So it's going to be dependent where you find the blood spot. Nachon, according to how the Shulchan Aruch basically uh, uh, paskin, if you find it in certain places which indicate it's the beginning of an embryo, it's an Isidoraita. If you find it in other places, it's only an Isidorabana. Says the Shulchan Aruch in Sif, uh, Sif Gimel of Perik uh, Sam, of uh, Siman Samachvav, Nimtza Alea Kurtam. Right? If you find the spot of blood, Zoreket Adam Vocheret Ashar, no problem. We're talking about a fertilized egg, you throw away the blood and you can eat it. Vahushenimtza Bechel Bon. But that's only if it's in the white part, the abdomen. Right? However, the albumen. However, if it's already in the yoke, because now it basically has developed onto the yoke, means it's already that's part of the, the embryo or whatever it is, and therefore the whole egg is prohibited. And here the Ramah brings down Minagashkanas. That even if it's on the outer part of the wat, so on certain parts of the what, it's still a problem. That anywhere it's found on the connection to the what part, even though it hasn't spread, it's going to be prohibited. Listen, this is a complicated topic. Where the blood spot has to be found in order to work out where, if it's considered the beginning of the embryo or not. Because it's so complicated, says the Ramah, our Minak, throw away the entire egg. Even on Meikaradin, if you knew that this wasn't basically the beginning of the embryo, you could be Meikal. Now, where those communities that are lenient, and just throw away the blood, and eat the rest of the egg, you still have to remove, which is one or, one or two centimeters, from the area of the blood. Okay. So that is the, uh, the, the halakha, when it comes to fertilized eggs. However, um, now just before we get to, to non-fertilized eggs, What's the din of a hard-boiled egg? And you can't check it. So what's the din? So we assume like this. The majority of eggs do not have blood spots. And therefore, theoretically, you should go after the rov. Says the Shulchan Aruch, Mutar lechol beitzim sliot, Afopishenam yecholot libadek. L'halach l'amaise. He's basically, um, uh, you don't have to worry about it because there's a rov. And that's what the Ramah also says. It sounds like you don't even need to check. Where was the Shulchan Aruch? Was Michael? When was he Michael? When it's not possible to check. Why is it not possible to check? Because they're hard well dead. So where it's not possible, so that's fine. You go according to the rules. Now the Ramah adds, right? Nevertheless, mikom makom. Nagu lachmir kishosin ma'achal im beitzim bayom, sheroin bahem im yesh me'endam. 
He says like this, the minag is to check eggs where it's possible, for example, during the day. There's no big tircha. But where it's not possible, according to Ramah, it seems like you don't have to check, right? And that would be okay. Now, where is this very uh, practical halakha eh? In commercial settings. You know, it's, it's one thing when you're making one, uh, one egg for breakfast, you crack it into a glass and you check it. It's another thing when you're making, uh, you know, a thousand eggs to, uh, I don't know, produce uh, something. In a hotel. In a hotel. A cake, whatever it is. Yes. So when, when it comes to commercial use in factories, many kashriyot are basically makele. Now, why are they makel? First of all, you've got the din of the Ramah. The Ramah is basically telling us that it's a minag, and the minag only seems to apply where it's easily uh, available, right? During the day, as opposed to night. Well, in the post of the night, they couldn't light a, they couldn't light a lamp. They could light a lamp, but it was a tirchad. So you see from here that where there is a tircha or, or a big uh, financial aspect to it, one theoretically can be lenient. But there's another reason to be lenient. And that is that most eggs today basically are unfertilized. When did we say that there could be an Isodoraita? According to the Rosh and the Shulchan Paskin said, that's when you have a fertilized egg. And the fertilized egg, you might be eating a blood spot which happens to be the beginning of the embryo. However, if it's not fertilized, it's not possible that it could be the beginning of an embryo. It's just scientifically not. not. And this is what the Gemara calls... Safra uh, me'ara, right? It basically arrives from the ground, um, and according to that, the the maximum. What's the problem with the blood? Maritime. And according to the shach, it's probably not even maritime. Though. Oh, according to the shach, it's not even maritime because you know where the blood's coming from, and therefore, according to the shach, you could even eat the blood. The Vilna Gaon argues. The Vilna Gaon says, "Vada, you have to throw away the blood." But the rest of the egg, vada, you can eat. So here comes the big kula. Number one, when we're talking about non-fertilized eggs, even if you find blood, you just have to remove the blood, the rest of the egg is kosher. Right? Uh, according to the shach, we don't paskanakim, but according to the shach, you can even have, you can even eat the blood of, the, of that egg. Now today, most eggs that we have, I'm talking about, you know, not if you're going to the farms and whatever, but... In the supermarkets, most eggs are non-fertilized eggs. So if we're talking about non-fertilized eggs, now the question is, is there a chiv to check? Mm. And if you do find the blood, what, what, does that, what, what does that do? Now, what I didn't mention is that people have, they, they became a, a, a minag, not, not an obligatory minag, that when they used to make hard-boiled eggs, they did, they did a three, yeah. right? They put a cup of water and did three. three. Why, why, why number three? So if there was blood in one of the eggs, it would be battle barov, and therefore you could eat all three eggs, and that's how you get around the problem. Now, that, first of all, is a chumrah. It's not written in a shulchan aruch, it's a chumrah. Okay? But even that chumrah, the question is whether one has to do that today. Because, if they're not fertilized, then according to the shach, even if there's blood, you could eat it. And according to everyone else, you know, you can't eat it, but it's only an issue of maritain, and it's only maritain when you see it. If you don't see it, there's no maritain. So what's the, the problem to begin with? And therefore today, most are not, not so makpid about this bichlal, and they don't, uh, they don't have a problem. Uh, the Chazonish held that if you find in a hard-boiled egg a blood spot, not only is the egg has to be thrown away, you have to cash the pot. So that is a humrah of the Chazonish, but as you'll see, that isn't standard practice. However, Rav Moshe finds him... even say that with unfertilized eggs. Yeah, we were talking about unfertilized eggs. Pile ploy. Right? So, uh, so now, says Igrot Moshe, V'davar um, Abetim, source, uh, source 29, this is Igrot Moshe in Yeradah, Chelek Aleph, Siman Lamed Vav, regarding the eggs, Nodati Shem Kasafna Ma'ara, I know that they, you know, they, I, I know they haven't been fertilized. They can't, they, you know, they're not going to make um, chicks. So there's no prohibition, as we saw, of like throwing away the whole egg 
There's only a problem of the blood itself, because we don't pass like the shach, we're going to pass like the grah, it's an issue of, of maritime. Aval, nevertheless, ah, but, Raiti had more farmer. I saw a farmer yesterday, Shal Sekba Beitzim, by Marishiyesh, Ikarim, Shal Skim Betarvayu, Larbot Beitzim. He says there are certain farms that they've got roosters running around as well. Now, if you've got roosters running around, that's a problem, right? And who Rav Gadol Bebeitzim Anim Karim Elu Shaloz Charim. He says, even though there's a vast majority that don't have roosters anywhere in the vicinity, right? But nevertheless, there's still a lot. So basically, says Rav Moshe Feinstein, since there still are these, um, these, the, these farms, and therefore this might actually be an egg that theoretically could have turned into an embryo, etc., etc., his minhag, he feels that we should adopt, retain the minhag of the Ramah. What was the minhag of the Ramah? You find blood in, in, in an egg, chuck the whole thing. He says, because there's this whole suffix about, you know, maybe, maybe this is a real possible suffix, let's keep to the swara of the Ramah and just uh, the minhag of the Ramah and throw out the whole egg. Now, um, okay, so that, that, that is the shit of the Igrotha Moshe. Someone is saying that it was written 50 years ago, and because it was written 50 years ago, maybe in his time, you know, there were farms where there were roosters running around, but in today's time, they're less. I'm actually not sure, because I, I think people are going back more to a more natural kind of uh, free, what they call Free range, free range um, eggs, in which case they actually might be more common uh, today than they were, let's say, 15 years ago. I'm not sure. Kind of, we might have gone full circle. But, but there is hashkacha on eggs. Correct? Uh, Do we know what the hashkacha is? No, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think there's... I, I, that's a good shout. There's a little thing that's... I mean, for Pesach, there's hashkacha. Okay, Pesach. But, but in general, uh, no I, I think there's just general government that these are chicken eggs uh-huh. and they're not uh, whatever. You know, I, or is there hashkach on eggs? I, I don't know. I, look, in Israel, they, Israel right. in Israel, there is a law that they're not allowed to be fertilized by the government. Uh-huh. Right? Uh, they, can't, uh, they can't keep as well if they are fertilized. And there are the other ramifications. So the law is they have to be unfertilized. I don't know what the, the law is in the States. Wait, no, don't don't have here in if the law is that they have to be unfertilized, then the Igor Moshe doesn't apply. Well, first of all, the Igor Moshe is talking about the states. Yeah. In Israel, maybe the Igor Moshe wouldn't apply. Maybe. Well, there's good for uh, that to say that it wouldn't apply. Um, the the Abiy Omer, ah, oh, we didn't get to Lebanon. But uh, the Abiy Omer, Ravavad Yosef, he basically holds, um, he doesn't understand the Chumrah. Like, it's not fertilized. You don't have to worry about these things. And therefore he says like this. Let's look at the last, um, the second last paragraph. Um, oh, let's, let, let's, we've got, we've got five minutes. Let's read the whole thing. Amarati vet bonan bedina beitzim hamuvaim al yedei chevrat tnuva. I want to look into the halacha of eggs from the company called Snuva, which is the largest uh, egg company in, in, in Israel, I think. They basically supply the supermarkets from these kibbutzim. First of all, these are, almost all of them are locked up in, in, in coops. They can't run around. There are no roosters around. And he says the vast majority, you know, over 85%, way over 85% are like this. So what happens if you find blood in, in such an egg? You find it after you buy it from the supermarket. He says there's no reason to throw away the entire egg. You can basically... Um, you can do what you want. You can just throw away the blood. This is what the Gemara called Safnamara. They come from the unfertilized. 
even if there are a few fertilized eggs, the vast majority are not that. And here he invokes a halacha of kashrut. Anything, if you, take, if you separate one from the group, the rule is what you separate it is from the rov. Right? So if there's a minority and a majority and you separate one from that whole mixture, we assume that you separate it from the majority. And therefore he says there's no problem over here. You don't have to throw away the entire uh, egg. Now, the, the, just to go back to Rav Moshe Feinstein. Rav Moshe Feinstein does agree. But he brings another argument. He says like this. He says, the whole reason of being machmir about an egg and blood doesn't really make sense. Right? It's a suffix the Rabbanan. So if it's a suffix the Rabbanan, why are we being so machmir? Why was the Ramah so machmir on a suffix the Rabbanan? So he says like this. He says, obviously, because it wasn't a hapsid. You know, it wasn't a monetary loss. Even in the times, I don't know, living in Krakow um, 400 years ago, a big thing to throw away an egg wasn't, it wasn't a big thing. So he says, the, says Ramosh Rabbanan, you see that the whole approach of the Chachamim, was that even though it's a Suffolk the Rabbanan, we're going to be Machmir. Why? Because it's not a big deal. Where you can't be Machmir, be Machmir. And because of that, he throws that in. And he says basically, Nachon, uh, the majority are not fertilized, and there's good reason to not to be, etc., etc. Nevertheless, since it's not considered a Hefzad, I don't think it's a problem, and you should throw it away. Um, that's an interesting take, just in terms of Hilchot, in, in terms of Halachic, uh, psak, that basically Rabbi Moshe Feinstein says, he'll say, sometimes you can have a suffix d'oraita and the rabbis will be mekel. Aye, generally we pass on suffix d'oraita l'chumra. Nachon, he says, but where you see that there's a hefzid merube, there's a big financial implication, even where there's a suffix d'oraita, sometimes the rabbis will be lenient. And here you see the opposite, where it's a suffix d'rabanan, but there's no real financial loss. So be machmir. It's just an interesting take that Rav Moshe Feinstein points out and he applies it to the laws of eggs. Okay, so we, we will end that uh, over here today. Uh, just uh, one word on the livers. Salting is not good enough for livers and therefore they have to basically be kashered. We're not going to go through all of the laws of kashering, but it's in the previous year. On, on what basis would you say that you don't have to check the eggs today? It's a suffix the Rabbanan. Who, who says, there's somebody that says that, that you don't have to? Yeah, the Ramah. The Ramah said, the Ramah was talking about even a fertilized egg. And he said the a suffix. The Mina was to check it in the day. Uh-huh. He said, where it's possible in the day, check. Marshmallow, that if you're having a scrambled eggs at night, you didn't. Right? And also the Shukhan Why do we say have a hard boiled egg? Don't have a hard all day. Uh-huh. Right? So you see that the poskim were basically lenient where it was not possible or tircha. And based on that, that was even for fertilized eggs. Kalva homer for non-fertilized eggs in a commercial setting such as a factory, etc. Even though most kashrut um, agencies are machmir. But, is there a posek that says you don't have to check? Uh, I think all of them basically say that in the in where you need in the commercial setting. No, no, no. I'm talking about in, in, in private home. Private home, no. I'm not oh. in private home. No, so no. In private home, you no. could have to check. Yes, yes. Yeah. Private home, you have to check. Yeah. Well, yeah. Did did uh, Rav, Rav Moshe Feinstein did he also bring up Baltashchet? Because I'm thinking about it now. If he's saying it's a Suffolk Durabana, normally we say Lukula, but in this case, because it's not a big Tircha, so you say Lukhumra. But then you've got against that, you've got Baltashkit, which is a Suffolk Doraita, <laughs> which say you have to go Lechumra on the Suffolk Doraita of Baltashkit. Uh, Baltashkit is not Doraita on an egg. It might be a Doraita on, on bread and things like that. It's probably not a Doraita on egg. Um, and it's not Baltashkit if you're doing it Lechumra, if you're doing it Lechem uh, Mitzah. But it's for it's for a Durabana, which we which you normally. But still, it's, it's it's because you're worried about it. You're worried about the halacha. Yeah, could you not equally say I'm worried about the halacha of a baltashchit on a on an egg? It's like could. 
in general, the poskim don't apply the prohibition of baltashrit when it's, you're doing it l'shem chumra. Are you doing it because there is a legitimate uh, concern? Why is that more? Why is does that hold less weight than you know? You need to have an animal because you need to have shampoo. So you're going to kill animals to get the fats for shampoo, right? It's all your needs. So one is a need, a halachic need, and the other is a need for, for I don't know, making soap. Maybe it's because you buy eggs by the dozen. Right? You have, a, you have 12 eggs, and one of them is not ready, so it's not a big deal. Right. And you buy uh, a lot of them at a time. It's definitely not considered a Right? That's a Gemara in Beitza. 